When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hello and welcome to the Lizelle Wellbeing Show. I am Lizelle and I'm speaking with the leading experts and familiar faces from the world of wellbeing to bring you wellness wisdom you can trust. From fitness to gut health, mood to menopause, you will quickly learn how to spot a gem of wellness wisdom from a passing fad. Now, here in the studios, I have just been joined by a legend, a woman who has been at the very top of the British food scene for over 30 years. Yes, Prue Leith CBE is a chef, novelist, restaurateur, TV chef, food critic and broadcaster. She's had a truly extraordinary career and we cover that in the episode from early life in South Africa to earning her Michelin star, bursting onto our screens as a judge on the well-loved Great British Bake Off and being the new czar of hospital food. Yeah, so much to talk about. And I really loved hearing her thoughts on why she thinks being a head chef at a hospital should be far more prestigious than head chef at a Michelin star restaurant. It stands to reason when you think about it. Well, we had a truly fascinating chat about her life, about her moderate approach to healthy eating and her fabulous new vegetarian cookbook, which is just called The Vegetarian Kitchen. And it was such a pleasure, actually, to chat to Prue. And I'm really looking forward to hearing your thoughts on the whole episode. So do leave a comment over on Instagram after you have heard the show. And of course, these days, you might like to watch it. And don't forget, you can watch it now. You can watch the whole chat in full uh, with the video podcast over on the Lizelle Wellbeing YouTube channel. So let's go and get right into the whole episode. Lovely to have you here. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. So much to talk about. um, And you have done so many different things. I've lived a very long time. That's why I've had (laughs) lots of time to do it all. (laughs) Well, you are looking very good on it. Your early childhood was spent in South Africa. Mm -hmm. Is that right? Your mother was a famous actress. Yeah, she was. She was a very famous actress. But I thought I'd be an actor. But then I found I could I was useless at it, so, <laughs> so I gave that up. And I tried various other things, and then in the end I fell into food. And 
How did you fall into food? I was in France at university, at mm. the Sorbonne. And you can't live in France for two years without getting interested in food. I mean, you'd have to have dead taste buds to do that. <laughs> um, and so I thought, oh, I could really do this. And so yeah. that's what I did. So you learnt <clears throat> food in France? Is that Was that no, your I early skills? To, no, I came to London um, and went to the Cordon Bleu. I did want right. to go to the Cordon Bleu in Paris, but I didn't have enough money. And I could live for free with some friends in London. Yeah. <laughs> so I came to London. Because that was um, very much that kind of era of dinner mm. party cooking. Everyone talked about Cordon Bleu. Yes, thing, yes, you know, the yeah. ultimate yeah. Mm. recipes and things. And from there, did you then set up Leith's, the catering? Well, straight, and, straight away. I mean, did it you? It, was just called, it wasn't called anything. I think I called it Leith's Good Food at that point. Mm. Um, yes, I just started going around doing people's dinner parties yeah. all over London. And then that grew into, you know, people would ask me to do their son's 21st or a wedding or something, and it just grew. Mm. And when I sold it, we had 500 people working in that company. So gosh, it had grown quite And you big. set up the school alongside that? Yes, about, um, this, well, quite a long time afterwards, I opened the restaurant in 1969, which was, you know, eight years after I'd started catering. And then I opened my restaurant. And then in 74, I opened the school, mm -hmm. mainly because I wanted to have students to put into the school and into the catering company because I was getting sort of fed up with the rather pretentious way catering students at the time um, cooked. You know, they kept, they spent hours carving turnips into chrysanthemums and yes. making radishes well, into Well, I went to catering college. Yeah, well, so, you will have yeah, I, I You can turn quite, a mushroom. <laughs> yeah, I can turn a mushroom, and we did spend a lot of time. I remember my first days of doing silver service using a, a spoon and fork to pass mm. potatoes between each other. Yeah. Um, and Westminster. Quite a useful skill. Well, it's something that I can do, <laughs> definitely. Especially when you're queuing up at a buffet, it's really useful to have that skill. To be able to do it one-handed. Yeah, because you've got your plate in one hand and you can do it one hand and everybody else is struggling. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And that idea of training, um, is that where you kind of developed a, a love for education and passing on knowledge? Um, no, I think um, it was when I had the catering company and we would have these young people come in and I just felt they hadn't been taught how anything about food. They had been taught the technique mm. of how to cook, including mm. how to turn a mushroom. Yeah. But they they didn't love food. They didn't know where it came from. They didn't have any real enthusiasm for it. But the but the young women who came from posh schools like the Cordon Bleu, they were much better at, at, at I mean, they cared about food and they mm. wanted to learn about food. And that was because they were there because they wanted to be. Yeah. Whereas a lot of the young, um, especially the boys from catering colleges, were there because their careers officers had said things like, you're too stu stupid for the army, you better be a cook. Right. You know, it was a very low status thing. Yes, and very fact, different from now. Yeah, in fact, I think it stayed low status until Jamie Oliver came along and told us yeah. all it was cool to cook. Yeah, especially yeah. for the guys. Yeah, for the guys. And of course, you, was it the restaurant that you had the Michelin star for? Mm. 
Yeah, but I didn't get it. You know, I wasn't cooking in the restaurant. I mean, I sometimes did, but I wasn't the chef. Yeah. We had a wonderful Scots chef called Alex Floyd. He he got us the Michelin star. Mm, fantastic. And now you're working with schools trying to raise the, the standard of, of, in hospitals and institutions. Yes. I mean, I'm very keen on the government not wasting taxpayers' money on junk. I don't think it's right yeah. that the, the, our money should go into... Um, rubbish food. But what I'm doing at the moment, and we're about to report, is uh, I'm helping the um, Hospital Food Review report on what's wrong with hospital food. And it's been absolutely fascinating. And one of the things surprised me, because you get so much press about how bad food is, but I went into a hospital a couple of weeks ago. The food was as good as anybody could cook. It was absolutely excellent. And we tasted every single one of their dishes. And they had all been frozen. You know, people think, mm. oh, frozen food. Frozen food's fine if yeah. what you put into the freezer yes. is good. Yes. And they had wonderful, a lot of, um, you know, curried dals and, and oh, spicy, um, sort of um, vegetarian spicy pies and and all sorts of homely food. But it was all really healthy and delicious. Mm. It must be a lottery, though, because oh. I've, I had a friend who was visiting her teenage son who was in hospital, and uh, she said it was absolutely shocking, oh. recovering from acute infection. And it was, I think he had, um, you know, chips with garlic bread and... You know, yeah. some sort of anonymous other bit of carb followed by a donut, and, and <laughs> yes. you think, you know, where's the veg? Where where are the nutrients that are going to get you well? Exactly. And I was at a um, meeting last night by an organisation called Culinary Medicine, which is a, um, trying to teach doctors and medics generally about food because, you know, if if doctors only prescribed good food. Yeah. Um, and exercise, obviously, which I'm, I'm sure they do. But if you've only got nine minutes to do an appointment, yes, it's much mm. easier to give somebody a pill sure. and they'll go away sort of satisfied. Whereas it takes quite a long time to sit down and talk to people about their diet and so mm. on. But anyhow, our idea is to enthuse doctors and medics generally about the benefits of food as medicine. Food as medicine. Mm. And I think this report will have a lot to say about that mm. and also about... Um, just that, you know, it's underinvested. The fact is that we have got some hospitals that have had kitchens that haven't been touched for 40 years yeah. and the chefs haven't been trained and they don't have a very nice life. And, you know, sometimes um, hospital staff are on night shift and they're doing a, you know, 11-hour shift or something and they're expected to eat out of a vending machine which only sells cold junk. That is the thing. How can we get the vending machines out of hospitals because they Um, are just (laughs) delivering crisps and packets of Well, I think we need standards about what what should be in anything. I mean, there's nothing wrong with a vending machine if what's in it is good. Yeah, it's what you put in it. I mean, I think the thing that has... uh, The lesson that I've learned is it's not necessarily the delivery system. It can be. I mean, I don't think it's sustainable and good for the environment if we're buying, you know, if we're cooking in in some deep factory in Wales mm. and the food is actually coming from China yes. or Thailand or somewhere. Yeah. Um, so it's travelling all over the place. Yeah. But I think the fact that food is sometimes made in a factory doesn't mean that, or in a hub, you know, central... Yeah, no, it doesn't, that doesn't make it, it bad doesn't, at It doesn't all. make it bad, no. I mean, after all. You know, our best um, 
Waitrose and their food comes from a factory. Yes. Know, and there's not too many complaints about yeah. that. Yeah, no, it's using the right ingredients. Or, absolutely. Yeah. But do you think, that, do you, are you hopeful that we'll see change? In oh, I'm sure we will. I'm absolutely. Do you, do you think that I wouldn't at the be government? there? I honestly would not be there if, we, if I wasn't pretty sure we'll see change. Um, because I didn't want to do it because I thought this mm. is just another one of those efforts that will get a bit, a bit of publicity. Yes. Some minister will be grinning away and getting a few more votes and then they will forget about it or the report will be shelled and get dusty on a shelf. Yeah. So I I did say I wouldn't do it and then Matt Hancock, the Secretary of State, mm. rang me up and said, and he really persuaded me that he's hanging his hat on really? reform of the NHS and he wants to do the thing right. And we would have been reporting quite soon Yes. But I think, um, first of all, we were held back by the um, the election because we couldn't get into any hospitals during right. the PERDA, you know, when they won't speak to anyone because it's during a right. kind okay. of campaign. And now I don't know, but I imagine coronavirus might be taking uh, the Secretary gosh. of State's yes. mind off in a different direction. But he is focused on the food and the food provision he is, in hospitals. He is, he is. And... He's very keen on it. And Good. He's, He's, uh, I've seen him two or three times and I will again t- next week. So, Well, when you see him, will you also remind him about the HRT shortage mm-hmm. for women? Because mm-hmm. that is massive. Mm-hmm. Oh, I know there's been a lot of chat, certainly on my social media channels about that. Yes. What, what, needs, yeah, to, I, what needs to happen? Yeah. <laughs> Are you a fan? Of HRT? Yeah. Dead right I am. Oh, brilliant. Good. Sorry, I, I just threw, I threw that at you without <laughs> even asking. No, no, of course <laughs> I am. I mean, you know, if, if, if you lack calcium, you do something about it. If yeah. you lack hormones, I am so something with about you. It. So yeah. with you. And there needs to be much more education. Yeah. And actually, you know, while I'm on my soapbox, you know, GPs are not being trained. You talk about lack of training in food mm-hmm. and culinary knowledge, but they have no menopause training either. So yeah. it's, it's absolutely they don't, shocking. They don't recognise menopause. No, they don't. Um, and we're all and living so much so longer. Like give people antidepressants and things that'll fix it, you know. And of course it won't. Yeah. Well, it just numbs you. It doesn't actually replace estrogen in your brain. It just makes you want to go to sleep. <laughs> well, I'm glad you're fueled on estrogen because I am too. And I couldn't survive yeah. without it, without the activity. And you're doing so much. So we've talked about hospitals. We've mm. talked about your TV work, obviously, is, is legendary. Your background. Your new book is all about vegetarian cookery mm. is that a new thing for you have you always been a fan no, of plant-based no i've always liked vegetarian food i'm not a vegetarian i'm no. a great fan of particularly awful <laughs> i love awful and I, in fact I, I i i didn't get into trouble but i was quite controversial during january instead of doing veganuary there was organuary which was all about the promotion of eating organ meats yeah. this whole thing of nose to tail eating yeah, exactly really good idea and it's very nutritious. Well, actually, I think both of those ideas are good because I think I'm I'm in favour of everybody eating as they want to eat as long yes. as it's healthy. And yes. you can have a very good vegan diet. Yep. You might have to sort of stoke up on the calcium a bit, make sure that you get enough leafy greens and all that yes, stuff. Yes, and B12, et cetera. And the same with um, people worry about vegetarians not getting enough protein, but they can if they mm-hmm. eat chickpeas and things. Yeah. So I'm... Um, but this book is not aimed at committed vegetarians because they will already have dozens of vegetarian yes. cooking. This is very simple family cooking that my niece and I have done um, mm. over that year. She's been a vegetarian all her life. She's, Has she? Yeah, she was the head pastry chef at um, the Ivy and has she worked there for eight years, so she's very good at pastry and um, 
bread and so forth. But she's also a great family cook. I mean, that's hers. Black bean chili mm. with corn and lime salsa. And it's delicious. Uh, it looks delicious. I love the recipe for the um, paneer curry. Paneer curry is fantastic. That is actually my favourite recipe. Is it really? Oh, yeah. okay. <laughs> I did it in, I've just been around South Africa. Um, mm. And I did it for 80 journalists. We did little, you know, black bowls. Nice. And um, it was amazing because they weren't, they weren't, Vegetarians. I mean, South Africans are not like Kenyans. No, they no. like their meat, you know. Yes, they do. It's and they all the bride, absolutely it? loved it. Yeah. So it's a great recipe. I think the reason it works so well is because the spinach and the peas go in at the end and they lighten it. Yes. And makes the colour look so good. And yeah. Yeah. Lemon juice always helps with the curry. Excellent. Are you into gut health? Are you looking at, um, at, at probiotics well, I, and prebiotics? I'm not into, I, I get a bit nervous when there's far too much about um, clean gut and purges yes, and stuff like sure. that. I just think nature can cope, just put the right food into you. Yes. And so I'm, I, I don't like too much talk of... Um, I don't want to frighten people. You know, if every single time they pick up something somebody tells them oh the papain will do this or the, yeah. that thing is full of that's bad you know it just makes people nervous and and mm. i think our relationship with food is often a bit neurotic yes we think that there are lots you know we worry a lot about obesity but we should worry also about anorexia and yeah having uh, a healthy relationship with food yeah exactly and i think too much worrying about what's going on inside mm. Um, it's unhealthy. I think we should just, um, we know what's good for us. We all know what's good for us. Yeah. Basically, it's exercise and healthy food. Yes, healthy diets. Although we've lost that so much, haven't we, with schools, you know, with taking all oh. the domestic science kitchens out of schools. That's criminal. Isn't you know, it? The most, you, actually, the last um, government did some good in the sense that they said, right, it's now the law that children must be taught to cook. Good. How are the, There are no kitchens. Up, you've just answered it. Up to the age of 15, this was supposed to happen. But if there are no cook kitchens and there are no food teachers and there's no money, no money came with that announcement, just the announcement. So, I mean, nobody's done it. And anyhow, Ofsted no. don't inspect it. And there's no penalties for not doing it. So it just okay. did not happen. No. And But there are some good things going on in schools. Do you know what Henry Dimbleby does? He's got a... Yes, it's he called has... Chefs in Schools. Ah, yes. And he was the guy who started Leon. Leon was a great train. It's a, a chain, great train. It? It's a really and good He's really keen on schools. healthy food and mm. he and proper food for children, children eating the same food as grown ups. Mm -hmm. And he he now persuades chefs who are tired of the of the stress and the anxiety of of working in a restaurant to come and work in schools. And they love it because they, they teach the children and they sit with the children. They teach them mm. about food and so on. And it's mostly primary schools so far, but he's got into a lot of schools and it's yeah. making a huge difference. And there are there are two vegetarian schools, which I'm very impressed with. I went to see the one in, in Sheffield and they do a vegetarian meal every day and everybody eats the same meal. And it's a secondary school and they managed to do this. And... They give them breakfast and then lunch and then a snack in the afternoon and all for £2.80, which is about what 
most schools would charge just for lunch. That is incredible value. And the reason they can do it is because it's all vegetarian. Yes. Because, you know, chickpeas don't cost a lot. No. And, you know, cabbages are a hell of a lot cheaper than yeah. bacon. And, of course, so nutritious. Mm. And, you know, looking at some of your recipes, so delicious yeah. and inventive. And, of course, if they want to eat meat or whatever, they yeah. can do that yeah. in the evening. Or, exactly. Or they're, they're, they're saying they're giving them one yeah. really healthy meal a day. In fact, they give breakfast as well because so many, they're in quite a deprived area. Mm. And so many of the um, children arrive not having had anything to eat for breakfast. Yeah. So, so, And then there's one in Oxford um, as well, which I haven't seen. But mm. all, but all is our secondary school. So it can be done. I get very cross when people say these things can't be done. When yes. It, it is being done. Well, you're not the kind of woman to say, no, it can't to, really, <laughs> I can imagine. I always think that when people say no, it's it's just, or when there's a problem, it's an opportunity, isn't it? It's, yeah, it's Of course it can be done. It's just finding the key or the way to do yeah, it. Yes. Yeah. So it is it. the old, where there's will, there's a way. But I think for a lot of schools, if the head teacher is not himself or herself interested in food yes. and enjoys food they are not going to make it a top priority yeah. but if they think food is important for children mm. they will move heaven and earth to get that right and it's the same with hospitals if the if the head of the hospital trust or the head of the yeah. um um care home or hospital or mental um, home doesn't care yes nothing will happen mm. So you have to always get to the boss. Mm. I'm hoping you, Matt Hancock is enough of a boss. Good. To... Well, let's, we'll keep the pressure on, and I'm sure you <laughs> will, for sure. Yeah. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, Right. For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact? You can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds. And they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. 
Talking about hospitals and care homes, do you work with care homes as well? Is that an area? I have in my life done some work for care homes. Mm. But I do think that one of the things about care homes is they work much better if they're quite small. And that where um, where it's mostly women in care homes because they tend to live longer than men. And I've talked to so many of them who just would love to be able to show the little Lithuanian girl who looks after them or the Polish nurse or the cook who comes from, you know, somewhere or other, um, what they ate is what they could like to cook. You yes. Know, I'd love to show her Put how to make Put them in the kitchens. Yes, or let them at least. They're often too old to actually do the whole thing. But to be able to just teach somebody else how to make ginger biscuits or to yes. or shepherd's pie or, or traditional favourites. And to do yeah. something that they enjoyed doing when they were, you know, running a family and at, a, yes. at home. Cooking can be so more, so much more than just um, feeding, can't it's it? It's just, not just nutrition. You're so right. And this whole sociability and the whole <laughs> concept of getting families to eat together, the fact mm. that, that families, very few families now actually even have a dining table, let alone mm. sit around mm. one. And that social thing about uh, mm. dining is so important. I'm sorry to keep coming back to hospitals, but one of the things that we noticed is how much... Um, generally happier patients were where they could get out of bed and sit in a social um, area mm. because a lot of patients don't need to be in bed all the time they're no. just in bed because it's a convenient place to park them <laughs> and yeah. um, what they need as at least once a day or twice a day to be able to um, talk to other people it's difficult to talk to somebody in a bed you know yes you're not even looking yards. at them you're having to yes and the pillows in the way and the yeah. kit is all in the way so you're quite lonely. Yes. But if you can meet them at lunchtime and chat, and of course it's good for them to move. Yeah. Um, so, you know. Is that I'm all going to be part of your plan then? Yes, not not just the food, but the how to yeah. eat and the where and to how, eat. And where, it and where the food comes from and the training mm. of the, of the mm -hmm. cooks because very often the, um, obviously not all hospitals do much cooking on the site, but... Mm. Um, wherever they are, whether they're cooking in a factory, or they need to have the skills. Yeah. So that whatever goes into either the freezer or into straight onto the customer's plate, mm. they have to be well trained, and they have to have. I don't know how we do this, but I just think the prestige of cooking in a hospital is not what it should be. It's it's to be blunt about it, it's far more, impo more important than cooking in a Michelin-star restaurant. Yes, Michelin-star restaurant goes around like a movie star, yeah. the head chef of that, head chef of a, of hospital, a hospital restaurant. Yeah. You know, he's right down the pecking order and it's quite wrong. Yeah, saving lives. What I am quite keen on also is the idea of getting more fermented foods yes. on the menu. Yeah, yeah, and, exactly. And, you know, even things like making yogurt, which is so simple and so good. Why we buy it in these plastic little pots when you can make it overnight for its cheapest it, chips and so easy. And, and you know, um, it's easy to do. Yeah. But also, at least let's get real yogurt and plain yogurt, not yes. stuffed full of sugar. Yeah. And in some hospitals, not many, I'm glad to say, but they don't—they actually don't allow yogurt because it contains a bacillus, which is a bug, and therefore it's a good bug. <laughs> which is just crazy. It's just got into some kind of. I've you know, it's like the. It's that. like the. Oh. Well, I'll give you another one. In a lot of hospitals, weren't. 
um, allow toast to be made on the ward because what? they say it's a fire hazard. You know, there are more dangerous machines than a toaster in a hospital, I promise you. <laughs> and of course, it's nonsense. And then, and then oh. if health and safety says you can't have toaster, they just obey instead of saying, let's do, do, a, risk, let's yeah. do a risk assessment. Do a risk assessment. We will exactly. discover that we actually, that no hospital has ever burnt down because the toaster went on fire. And lots of hospitals do it, so it's possible to do it. Yes. I mean, toast is the the biggest complaint in hospitals, that that people complain that there is no toast. There is no toast. Or the toast, if it is it, it's been made in the basement and kept in a... You know, wrapped up in a towel or something, so it's, so flabby. it's all flabby, <laughs> or it hasn't been toasted properly. I mean, toast for goodness sake, toast quite easy Could to ev- make. Every ward have a have a little toaster, a toaster. Yeah, yeah of indeed. Course. The other area that I would love to see food improvement. I don't know whether you've got an experience of this um, or insight is in prisons. Yeah, because we know that food has such an impact on mood. Yeah, uh, we just and, and and you know that evidence has been around for years. Um, there's another very good. Um, charity called the Institute for Brain and Behaviour mm. and it's all about the effect food, food brain and behaviour and it's all about the effect of food on the brain and you know so it would be all that stuff about fish oils for, yes. for development of the brain and growing brain, but also about um, uh, too much fat and sugar and carbs yeah. making yes. um, prisoners violent yes and there's huge evidence that, you know, and been done, the studies have been going on for many, many years. And in both prisons and young offenders units and two studies in Holland and also in toddler groups. And if those people are in a healthy diet or those toddlers or those young offenders, their violent behavior yeah. drops by about 30 percent. To, 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 to drop violence by 30% in prisons, every yes. prison, wouldn't it be the most obvious thing to do? Yeah. However, the, to, to make prison food healthy is quite a huge problem like hospitals. But in a way, at least it's a, it could be done. It, it could definitely be done, but it would cost money because what prisoners as a group, if you can lump them all together, which is ridiculous, but if you did... Um, really like carbs and sweet things and yeah. junk, and there'd probably be a riot if you. Yes. But some prisons have very good food. Mm-hmm. So, you know, it's the old thing. How do you get everybody to do it? Yes. I think it's a cultural thing as well, and it's, I think, what we're growing up with, and the there is a huge pressure from industry mm-hmm. and from the food processing uh, and food industry, food, the ultra processed foods. It's. You know, I mean, I often find myself in trouble for saying this, but I mean, the, the enemy is the manufacturer. Mm. And if I was, if I worked for Mars Bars, I would mm. be busy giving you a great speech right now about how great a Mars Bar is. And of course yeah. it is, but not eaten every day. And no. so, so I think manufacturers are driven by sales and the sales are driven by this idea that we have to have you know, ten percent growth year on year, yeah. and we, everything has to grow and be more and more of it. And I can see that from an economic point of view. But I don't know how you resist it because governments won't resist the big manufacturers because their tax comes from it. Yes, yes. Um, but you know, how can you know? When I was chairman of the school food trust, I think we had about seven million pounds a year to deal with. 
Well, probably one single chocolate bar for one week's marketing budget is bigger than that. Yeah. Yeah. You know, you can't fight. At least you can, but it's often not very effective. The only thing is to change public the public's minds. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And I think that's happening with all this move towards vegetarian and vegan yes, food. And I think so, although there's still an awful lot of food processing that mm -hmm. goes on with that. Especially for vegan food. I and mean, yeah. there's some vegan snacks that you shouldn't touch. <laughs> Just, it's always worth reading the label, isn't it's it? It's worth reading the uh, label. And trying not to do anything I, Anyway, package. just, I mean, to come back to this, mm. I, I mean, I know... Um, I'm sure there are lots of excellent vegetarian books about, but I think this is particularly for people who think, oh, veggie food, I can't do that. It's got too many ingredients or it takes too long yes. or it's complicated. No, it's not. Yeah. It really is a very homely, simple, comforting. And there are lots of luxury things in here. I mean, we haven't, mm. we haven't um, you know, there's chocolate cake and stuff you'd expect. <laughs> And some of it's vegan. There's a yes. chocolate mousse in here that's vegan. Oh, tell me how you make that. It's silken tofu, mm. chocolate, and a lot of triple sec, which doesn't half mm. make like, booze, basically <laughs> good, good booze. And it's quite smooth. It, does, it isn't yes. moussey in this sense because it does has no egg yolks in it, egg yeah. whites in it, so mm. it's not sort of bubbly. It's just very smooth and lovely. And I was um, on a radio program the other day uh, I don't remember his name. God, he's just the most famous person in the world. Chris Evans. Oh, yes. So I'm on Chris Evans' <laughs> programme. And in walks Bob Del Geldorf and Cordeline were playing, all uh, four of them, wonderful mm. um, songs. And Bob picked up the two spoons out of the chocolate mousse and started playing the spoons <laughs> with your chocolate on, mousse spoons. on his um, knee. <laughs> and he played absolutely beautifully. Did he? Yes, I mean, he really can do it. And so there he was playing the spoons and it went on for a very long time. And nobody liked to say until finally I just took the spoon away from him and gave him a clean one because he was spraying <gasps> chocolate mousse <laughs> all over his trousers. Uh, I tried a, a vegan <sighs> recipe the other day um, using chickpea water. Oh, to make meringue. To make meringues. Bit of an mm. odd taste. Yeah, I don't like it. I think um, it's too much trouble. It takes ages to It does whisk. get them to, to whisk up. It doesn't yeah. whisk up like egg whisk, even in a machine. Yes. You're waiting forever. Yeah. And then it doesn't make the right... It doesn't. It's not nice and crisp on top it's, mm. when it's cooked. It's just... It's like sort of raw meringue. Yes. I don't I didn't think much. It's too much trouble. Yeah. But it's quite clever to have discovered that it is. Who, who chickpea knew? water. Yes. And I believe the man who discovered that you could whisk it up into a foam is, um, and called it aquafava. Aquafava, yes. Um, bean water. Yes. Has patented the name. Yeah. <laughs> or tried to. I <laughs> quite clever. But I, I, I don't Frankly, I think I think the thing about um, vegan and vegetarian food, it worries me when people try to imitate meat or imitate something else. Mm. Why not just do what it does best? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Um, yeah. I don't want a burger that um, tastes like meat if I'm a vegetarian. Yes. But actually, I love meat, so I probably wouldn't mind. <laughs> <laughs> Now, before we finish up, I just want to uh, touch on something that I know is really important to you and that I think is fascinating because we don't really talk about it enough. And that's the fact that you're a patron of the Dignity in Dying charity. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So having talked about sustenance and food all the way through the different phases mm -hmm. of our lives, from school onwards, 
care homes and then hospitals, yeah. etc. Why dignity and dying? What was that? Well, for my you? brother had a really painful, miserable death. Mm. Um, he had bone cancer, and oh, he was given morphine every um, three. Uh, he could have morphine every four hours. But the pain lasted three hours, so for an hour, every four hours, he was in excruciating pain. And the, um, the, the, the long and the short of it is that um, doctors are so frightened of being accused of murder or mercy killing by nurses from pro-life or one of those organizations which is really worried about doctors being too... Um, you know, they're anti-abortion and anti any any mm. killing or any dying, and um, forced dying, and so doctors will not prescribe anything that's likely to even uh, illegally. They're perfectly able to give you enough morphine to suppress the pain. Yes, and if that happens to send you off a week early or two weeks early or something. Mm. Um, it's, it doesn't matter. Mm. But if somebody reports them and says that it was deliberately killing, they are suspended wow. for six months. And, of course, no, no doctor wants that. No. So consultants don't prescribe enough. Um, some of them no don't idea. prescribe enough um, morphine to relieve the pain. And, and recently the care home's um, body has admitted that even in a in a palliative care, lovely environment when they're trying to make the death as good as possible. Yes. There are some pains, bone cancer is one, that really even morphine doesn't get to. Oh. And they would like, and, and you know, 84% of the country would like to choose mm. whether they um, can kill themselves or be um, put to death, if you like. Um, if you're dying anyway and you've only got at the most three months to live and we know that that three months to live is going to be agony, you wouldn't do it to a dog. No. You wouldn't force somebody to stay alive. No. So I'm really key. Anyway, we're... Um, so is that the aim of dignity in dying? To, is to, to, allow, to allow people pain to choose pain-free mm -hmm. death for only for people who are terminally ill and who have only got three months to live. Right, that's and the cut-off. And we've got two doctors who, yes. who say that, you know, it would still be mm. quite a bureaucratic process to get permission to do it. Because, of course, the fear, people are frightened that the greedy relatives will sort of yes. force their parents to, um, yes. to take this option. But, you know, what's happening at the moment is that if you can afford it, you go to, about 300 people a year go to Dignitas. And... And it costs them £10,000 to go. It's not a pleasant experience. No. You know, if you're, if you're ill and dying, you don't want to have to go and travel halfway across Europe. No, to some strange to clinic. Some, yeah. That's awful. Yeah, and yeah. so, and then a whole lot more people take their own lives in at home. Yes. And if they do that and their, and their wife helps them, they can be prosecuted for murder. It's, Gosh, this is. It, it, we need to look at the law. I'm not saying we should. Subject, isn't it? it is a complex subject, but at least what we need is the government to um, have an inquiry, yeah, and look into what is actually happening in hospitals and care homes, and and you know just get to the truth of the matter, mm. and then maybe legislate. Yeah. 
Well, it's been a real pleasure to talk to you about <laughs> we, we, so we should, much. We've covered I, you made, you beginning made me, of life, end of life. <laughs> no, but I'm, I look like I'm a complete politico just telling the whole world how to run the world. You know, this is what you've got to do with hospitals. This is what you've got to do with yes, prisons. Yes, but you this have lived what... it and breathed it and, and are one of the strong voices of the people that can hopefully help make it all happen. Well, thank you. Thank you. Well, thank you. And thank you for coming in and very best of luck with the vegetarian kitchen. Thank you. Thank, thank you. Thank you. And that is it for today's episode. As always, you will find all the links and the resources that we mentioned on today's show over on lizarwellbeing.com. And there you can sign up for the free weekly newsletter, jam-packed with well-being wisdom and delicious, healthy recipes. Huge thanks to all of you who've left us such lovely reviews. It really does help others to find the show. So thank you. Until the next time, go well. Bye-bye. Our Wellbeing Show is presented by me, Liz Earle, with production by Amaryllis Earle and Harry Trevithick at Heart Dialogue, with thanks to my producer, Ellie Smith, and the guest booker, Millie de la Morinière. Okay, I have two new obsessions that I need to share with you. Impress No Glue Press-On Mannies and Impress Press-On Falsies Lashes. Trust me, these are getting ready game changers. Both require no glue, so there is no damage to your natural nails and lashes, no mess, and no annoying dry times. Just one step and you're done. Boom. Instant glam. Visit impressbeauty.com slash presson and use code PRESSON25 at checkout for 25% off Impress Manicure and Press-On Falsies. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.